0: podcasters thanks for tuning in to faith it radio i'm katha laguna on today's episode i have for you a beautiful mixture of music and conversion audrey asan joins me to share her story of not only converting to catholicism but to a new realization of who god is and the unconditional love he has to offer welcome to the podcast audrey how's it going
1: Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Doing well. Thanks.
0: Thanks for joining me. So you have a compelling faith journey for not only those who are taking their journey home to the Catholic Church, but also for those who are sort of lacking in their faith or for those who are even questioning God's existence, really. So why don't hmm. we just start from the very beginning because your journey begins with a different set of beliefs altogether. I would like to know what was your upbringing like?
1: Sure. Well, I was uh, born and raised in New Jersey, and I grew up in a family who was Christian. Um, Plymouth Brethren was the name of my denom- denomination growing up. My mom had been in it for generations, and my dad, who is a Syrian refugee, was sponsored as a child in Syria by someone in the Plymouth Brethren Church in the United States. And so when he came to America, that was where he went, Um just kind of only people he knew in the country when he and his family came here. So that was where he met my mom at a Bible conference that they do every year um, at Grove City College in, in uh, right outside Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And so yeah, that was my my upbringing. And it was for people who haven't heard of it, kind of has a, a feel like uh, I guess like Quaker kind of thing, like very very stark and mm-hmm. sober. So there's no curtains or cushions on the chairs at the church where I grew up, no carpets. It was very, like, bare and simple. Um, not till I was in my 20s did I start really exploring outside of that. And when I did, I ended up at a Baptist church for a few years and then a Presbyterian church for a few years, and I kind of just, like, worked my way backwards in history until I ran into Catholicism and Orthodoxy. I ended up deciding to become a Catholic because I didn't know any Orthodox people, to be honest. I just didn't—there was nobody who would have evangelized me towards that, whereas I met a bunch of young Catholics in my early 20s who shared with me about, you know, the Church's teaching and the sacraments and such. And so that was where I ended up going. So in I think it's been 11 years now for me um, that I've been a Catholic. So that was kind of how I got there. So obviously the nutshell version.
0: Yeah. Um. I really wanted to know what triggered your heart to even approach Catholicism. So
1: being raised in New Jersey, I had a lot of Catholic friends, too, because there's lots of Catholics in New Jersey, Italian, Irish, Catholics everywhere, that, and, and Hispanic, like lots of different um, ethnicities, but a lot of Catholics in general. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't know what to do with my real friends when I was being taught that mm-hmm. they were going to hell. You know, it was hard. So yes. um, when I did meet Catholic young adults, in my early twenties and they were younger than me. They were in high school. I just met them by chance, like randomly at a coffee shop one day. And when I met them, I had this like collection of questions ready to go. I was yeah. like, so tell me about this and tell me about that. And tell me about this." You know, I just was just really curious mm-hmm. and they were willing to indulge me. And so we talked for a really long time that night and I ended up going to mass the next day, like a daily mass to okay. check out, mm-hmm. you know, what it was like. And it was just nothing like what I'd imagined. Um, obviously, the daily mass is pretty simple, pretty quiet, pretty fast. Um, it was so beautiful and so full of Scripture. And so uh, not what I was thinking, because I had been raised to think of this pomp and circumstance and, like, mm. greed and corruption and just all this, whatever, caricaturized versions of whatever scandal we had heard about, you know. And um, I just was really undone by that. And I think what eventually actually led me in, though, was uh, the sacraments, because I, mm-hmm. I really just came to a place in my life where I didn't know why I was going to church anymore, because at, you know, the Protestant churches I was attending, we weren't sacramental, so we believed that we were there because we're commanded to be there by the Bible, by the Scriptures. We, we believed that we were there because we were supposed to hear from the Bible through preaching and fellowship, you know, with each other. And I thought, like, all of those things are great. They're just things that I can do on another night or Mm -hmm. another day. Or, or like, I can download a sermon on my phone. It's not, I don't have to be here for this. Like, why am I here? That was really my biggest question at the time. And I think the sacraments gave me a reason to be there. I just thought, this is why I'm here now. It's a reason. It's solid. It has actually some weight to it. What
0: I read in your bio is that even after converting to the Catholic faith, you know, you've been Catholic for, you said, 11 years, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. so then even even with that you end up hitting a serious burnout and I love what you wrote in your bio is that you found scorched earth because it really Mm -hmm. painted this vivid picture of a sort of a non-spiritual place of where you're at and it made it relatable it made it very real so take us through how you dug your way out of that scorched earth at that time in your life
1: yeah well let me elaborate on what I meant by that because obviously it's a poetic image but what what was really happening when I in the time that I'm describing is that not only did I feel doubt, um, three years ago, but I felt, um, I felt doubt of everything, the meaning of everything. Um, you know, is God real? Are we real? I, you know, is, is there meaning? Mm -hmm. I was really coming close to a place where I didn't know if I believed there was meaning to anything. And that was, not where I expected to be at this point in my life. <laughs> you know, you hear about nihilists and you think they're some other kind of person. Um, but actually, I have several friends who are nihilists, and they're just like myself. They're just like me. It's just that their conclusions have been different with the questions that they have. And it was really scary for me because, because I had placed so much of my identity for so long in what God thought of me based on my right ideas, you know? Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden I'm here going like, I don't even know if I believe you're real. I think you might be a lie. Um, That caused me to have some deep anxiety, and so it manifested in several ways, one of which was panic attacks. Mm -hmm. Every time I walked into a church building for a while, I had to cancel a bunch of shows, and I was just having my family life and relationships disrupted by this deep, like, deep running anxiety and panic that was when I decided to seek treatment from a trauma therapist because I realized by talking to my counselor one day that the symptoms I was experiencing were actually not unrelated to my spiritual upbringing my identity questions and you know It was really at that point that I thought, okay, I need to go figure out this stuff and then maybe I can address the religious questions later when I'm a little more healthy. Uh So that was kind of how I approached it. And slowly over the past few years, I've begun crawling out of that anxiety pit, you know, to the point where I can actually ask these questions in sound Mm -hmm. mind, I guess. And, Mm -hmm. you know, to be honest, I'm still very much in process in the sense that like nothing seems easy to believe anymore, but I'm... I've made my peace with the fact that the church has room for people who are trying to belong to it um, and trying to belong to it with authenticity um, and wholeness and freedom. So I'm at, in a place of almost like rediscovering. And uh, it's been really good because I'm having to constantly put aside the notion that just because I can't, say, oh, I cer- I have certainty about all these things the Catholic Church teaches, that that doesn't mean that I don't belong and that I don't have a relationship with God that's mm-hmm. very real and vibrant. And so, um, you know, people say what they want to say about it. I'm just learning not to live by that. And that's really difficult for me and I'm sure for a lot of people.
0: I really like how you're able to see the past, or at least your past, and turn it into something full of understanding and peace now. Because there's a part in your bio which I really liked and is, all along, I had thought Jesus was my deliverer from God. It turns Mm -hmm. out that, among other things, Jesus actually delivers me from worst ideas about God. Can you Mm -hmm. elaborate a little bit on that quote? Because I think it's pretty cool.
1: Sure, thanks. Um, Well, the main thing I was thinking of is that I was just raised with this very legal scenario of salvation, that it was sort of a transaction made between God and Christ on my behalf. And you know, God wanted to send me to hell because he can't help but want to because I'm evil. And Jesus stepped in front of me and showed his, like, sacrifice, and God said, okay, like, case closed, I accept your I accept your substitution, you know. Um, and I know that I'm caricaturizing that somewhat, but it really is how I absorbed it as a child, that that was the relationship between God and me and Jesus. And so Jesus was really, like, my friend, and God was—I was scared of God because— at the end of the day, I felt like he didn't really like me, um, or want me very much. It was more like Jesus convinced him I shouldn't go to hell kind of thing. Like Mm -hmm. it was a really strange way to look at the whole thing. And so whether or not someone actually taught me that, or I just absorbed it strangely, I really needed to be delivered from that kind of idea and that kind of thinking. And so over time, you know, it's like I've been leaning on Jesus this whole time. Uh, To deliver me from hell and I think at some point I realized maybe he's trying to deliver me from this misunderstanding I have about uh, how how this all (laughs) works.
0: Well this is a great transition to your album Evergreen. Can you tell us the meaning of your album name?
1: Mm -hmm. Well I'd read somewhere maybe a, a year ago or so that the Tree of Life in Jewish tradition has you know there's many stories about about the biblical stories, there's, a, there's like oral tradition of Judaism called the Midrash, and it, it's all these different takes on you know, biblical um, stories and teaching. And so you can read kind of all these different interpretations of things, everything from Genesis to the end of the Torah. And one of the things I had read was that in some traditions— the tree of life was thought to be a sycamore tree, which is a, the same tree that Zacchaeus climbed in the story about Zacchaeus, you know, the mm-hmm. little tax collector yeah. who wanted to see Jesus. So he climbed the sycamore tree to see him. Mm-hmm, yeah. And that sycamore tree is actually also a fig tree, but it, it's an evergreen tree. And so the tree of life, you know, in my mind was a tree I grew up around, like a maple tree or an oak tree or, you know, some giant American, <laughs> like seasonal tree. But when I thought about that idea that the tree of life actually would have been thought to be an evergreen tree, I thought, how poignant is that? That's amazing. Um, That not only is it a tree that doesn't die, you know, at least not for a long time in our world, but also it's the same tree in this story that, you know, when Zacchaeus couldn't see the Lord, he climbed this tree. Um, I thought it was really poignant and really reflective of my story. I really identify with Zacchaeus a lot, actually i had i have for some time and so it just felt like the right name for the collection and i ended up writing the song almost as soon as i had heard that and uh, that became the, the album's kind of theme right away
0: neat so then your second track off the album is deliverer and after reading about your conversion i think that song is such a powerful depiction of your understanding of god's love for you and for basically every single person and I like the parts that you say, he isn't possessive, he isn't invasive. And from your song, I kind of got the sense of he's the essence of freedom.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah. how, how was it to take all of what you learned and all of your experiences and write this track in particular?
1: Well, I wrote this one. This is the second song I wrote for the album. So I wrote Evergreen and Deliver in two days with a friend of mine. Wow. So um, I've written a bunch of songs with. And songs don't always come that fast, but they just happened to... <laughs> Um, well, I did add the the bridge of deliver a long time later. So the in the ruins of my heart, you preach to the poor section. Mm-hmm, I added mm-hmm. months afterwards. Yeah, I just really wanted to express that idea that God. You know, we go we go to God with all kinds of attitudes about Him and and, uh, and us. And we are like we approach with this kind of um, framework. Whatever our framework is, our lens, our context, and those things are influenced by our culture, by our family by our trauma, by our personality, by our education. Um, All of those things combined to sort of influence our evolving worldviews, right? And so we approach God with whatever that is at the time in our life, and we think like, oh, this is who you are, and this is who I am. And over time, we have to have that shattered over and over again because it's never the full picture, and I think C.S. Lewis calls God the Great Iconoclast. You know that He destroys our pictures to paint a new one, a better one, over and over throughout our life. And that if we're on course in our life, we'll do, we'll do that so many times that then when we get to union with God, we'll we'll be ready to see the whole picture. And so I was just kind of trying to write something that expressed that that I. I want to be delivered from my terrible ideas because, you know, even if hell is real and there's a chance that I might go there, at the end of the day, like, I think I inflict harm on myself and other people with bad theology. So I just, I really want to be saved from that. And I enjoyed putting a different spin on the name Deliverer, you know, with that in mind.
0: So then with this new album out, and I think you're about to make two months with it, so this is pretty cool. It's very fresh yeah. out in the market.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> then
0: what's the reception been like, or what would you like your fans to take away from this album?
1: The reception's been great. A lot of people are actually quite similar to me and in similar places to where I've been and where I am right now. And so I think they were happy to find like a record made by someone who could make something they could relate to. Um, I've gotten a lot of feedback in that regard, so that's been really cool to see. I think what I want fans to take away from this is to just be where they are, to approach God that way and to approach others that way and to love themselves and live compassionately with their suffering and their struggle, because I really think authenticity is how we deepen our relationships to other people and to God and to ourselves.
0: All right, so if anyone wants to tag along Audrey's journey, you can find her at com. And Audrey, what uh, social media accounts are you frequently
1: active so we can follow you? Mm -hmm. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and that's about all that I do on a regular basis. Uh, but I am on all of them quite a bit. But if you want to if you want to see the real me, I would say Twitter is your place. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is good so. to know. VIP information.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it was such a delight to have you on the podcast, Audrey. Thank you so much. Thanks, Catherine. Thanks everyone for tuning in. I'm Catherine from Favorite Radio. Catch you on the next one.
3: This place looks nice.